Welcome to Mary's Cup of Tea, the self-love podcast for women. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski, an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that will inspire you to love yourself. Hello, self-lover. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure you know about my two books on self-love. If you're struggling with body image or self-acceptance, then I highly recommend you check out my first book, The Gift of Self-Love. It's a comprehensive workbook to help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to love who you are. Thousands of people have this book and the five-star reviews are so amazing. They give me so much life. So I hope that this is something that can help you too. You can get it wherever books are sold by searching for The Gift of Self-Love or go to my website, maryscupoftea.com slash book. After releasing The Gift of Self-Love and reading all your positive feedback, I realized that we really needed something to keep us going every single day. So not a deep dive workbook, but maybe like a micro dose of self-love in your daily life, which is why I wrote 100 Days of Self-Love. It's a guided journal with, you guessed it, 100 prompts that cover so many areas of life, including body, identity, purpose, emotions, mindset, relationships, and more. So you can really think of it as a metaphor multivitamin, something to keep you going, or as I like to say, growing on your self-love journey. You can get this journal wherever books are sold as well by searching for 100 Days of Self-Love or go to maryscupoftea.com slash journal. It's my mission to share all the self-love tea with you. So I hope that both my books and this podcast can do just that. Hey, self-lover, happy new year. I'm wishing you and the world all the peace and joy and love in 2024 and beyond. I recently finished my vision board. This was actually my first time doing a vision board as an adult. I think I did it once as a kid. Can't quite remember that journey, but I hosted a vision board party on New Year's Eve and it was so much fun. I think I'm going to make it an annual thing. I really love how a vision board forced me to dream big and visualize not so much like the things that I wanted to do necessarily, but more so tap into the energetic embodiment of what all these images mean to me. So it's not just, I want to go to Thailand. It's, I want to feel free and connected to nature. And it's not, I want the podcast to get this many downloads, but I want to be in a sense of flow and creativity and sustainability with this part of my career. I did a full vision board tour over on my Instagram, so I'll link that in the description in case you want to watch that little video. But today I thought it would be useful to go through five negative thought patterns that might be keeping you stuck in your self-love journey. And I'm not going to go too deep into each one because I more so want to focus on their antidotes, the opposite of the negative thought pattern, because perhaps you might want to focus on leaning into that in the new year and beyond. I intentionally made each one of these thought patterns and their respective antidotes as like a little mantra, just because I find that that's catchy. And when something's catchy, it helps you catch yourself doing it. So then you can snap the fuck out of it. When you're able to quickly name something, it also helps you shift out of it that much faster. So let's start off with thought pattern number one. 
analysis paralysis. You might have heard of this one before because a lot of us overthinkers very easily slip and slide into analysis paralysis. That's where you think and then overthink to a point where you're not able to take any action because you're too stuck thinking about taking the action. An interesting thing about the brain is that it doesn't really know when you're just thinking about something or talking about it or actually doing it. That's part of why visualization can work really well. And that's part of why I do believe in manifestation because there's lots of empirical research that shows certain parts of the brain getting activated when we're thinking about something, visualizing it, talking about it. It's the same reward system as if we're actually doing it. So in some ways that helps us when we're manifesting, when we're trying to tap into those positive emotions, but in other ways that can hurt us when we are in analysis paralysis, going through the same freaking scenario over and over and over again, getting tricked into feeling like we're making some sort of progress when we're not. So the antidote to analysis paralysis is let go and let flow. That type of surrender where you really trust, trust yourself, trust, I don't know if you believe in a higher power, but sometimes it helps to do so in this instance, primarily because Believing in a stronger power helps you hand off that anxiety to someone or something else, something that is bigger than you. I heard on a podcast recently, I don't remember exactly how it was said, but you know when somebody just says the most basic thing, but they say it in a certain way and then it just kind of clicks? Well, they said something along the lines of like, whatever is going to happen is probably going to happen anyway. Whether you think it through or not, whether you trick yourself into thinking that you were the one who weighed all the pros and cons and thought through every possible case scenario and then ended up choosing the best possible one. I mean, maybe, but more likely than not, whatever was going to happen probably would have happened even if you didn't drive yourself fucking crazy thinking about it happening. So if you're nervous, if you're stressed, if you're anxious, I invite you to let go and let flow. Surrender to whatever it is that will be. That doesn't mean you're not going to do your best. It actually means that you'll probably end up creating more mental real estate to do your best if your brain space wasn't taken up by analysis paralysis. Let go and let flow. The second thought pattern that might be keeping you stuck, I learned this one from episode 155 with Maria Victoria Albina. In case you missed it, I will link that in the description. She is a former nurse practitioner turned somatic life coach. So she's very good at like helping you regulate your nervous system to combat people-pleasing and perfectionistic thought patterns. I really enjoyed that conversation with her. One thing that I learned from her as like, a thought pattern that so many of us fall into is compare and despair. These two often go together, though it's normal to compare yourself upward and downward. That's kind of how we establish our place in the world. Of course, it can get toxic and problematic, especially if we're using that comparison to put down ourselves or put down someone else. And Maria Victoria named this process, this feedback loop as compare and despair. Compare yourself to somebody else and then feel despair that you're not as good as them. My opposite to this is remembering that perception is projection. 
I usually talk about this when it comes to receiving criticism from other people. If somebody is being rude or unkind or saying some stupid shit to you, then chances are they are feeling insecure about whatever it is that they're criticizing you on. So if somebody is commenting on your weight, it's because they feel insecure in their body. If somebody is criticizing your life choices, it's because they probably have certain regrets about their own. Everything in life is a mirror. And it's helpful to know that not just when you're getting shit from other people, but also when you find yourself judging others. If you're judging somebody else, it's because you're feeling insecure. So there's no better way to highlight your insecurity than by gossiping and talking shit. I remind myself of this when I'm in social circles and the conversation turns into a negative direction. I remind myself that not only am I against putting other people down for the sake of somehow trying to lift yourself up, it's also a foolproof way to advertise your own insecurities to other people. And if my intention is to appear more confident, then talking shit about others is not a way to do that. I know that's kind of a roundabout, selfishly motivated way to stop yourself from gossiping, but sometimes we have to go about things in a roundabout and selfishly motivated way because our brains understand that a little bit better. So anyway, back to compare and despair, perception is projection. You get it. Now, remind yourself that perception is projection also works the opposite direction. If you're admiring someone else, maybe even feeling envious or jealous of what they have, then it's only because you see that same potential in yourself. So to use a personal example, when I'm comparing myself to other podcasters who have more downloads or a better studio or some kind of gift in speaking, it's only because I probably see that same if not gift, but maybe potential to have that gift within myself. Like, I know this podcast can be better. I know it can grow. And sometimes I can't help but turn that into a negative way where I compare and despair. But I can also remind myself that perception is projection. And sometimes it's not as concrete as that. So if you're comparing yourself to, say, somebody who has a seemingly perfect relationship, not only is it because you might want that kind of relationship, but it's also because you're imagining the person you would become if you were in that kind of relationship. It's not so much the materialistic thing, it's who you think that materialistic thing represents in you. I could do a whole episode on perception as projection because seeing everything as a mirror has truly improved my life dramatically. So let me know if you would like that. Send me a message on at Mary's podcast Instagram. About three years ago, I started putting together a playlist with uplifting, inspiring, and empowering songs. I originally did this for myself because I love music of all different genres, and every time I would notice a song that just made me feel good, 
I would add it to my self-love playlist. And now there are over 300 songs on my Spotify self-love playlist. And these tracks are perfect for when you're getting ready, trying to hype yourself up, or going through a struggle and need a reminder for how badass you are. If you love music as much as I do, then go to maryscupoftea.com slash playlist to get the Spotify link. It will ask you for your email so that I can send you this self-love playlist. And full transparency, this will also put you on my email list where I send out a monthly newsletter about stuff I'm thinking about, personal things, things I don't really share on social media, and all the happenings in the Mary's Cup of Tea world. So go to maryscupoftea.com slash playlist and let's start jamming to my self-love playlist together. Number three is shame and blame. Shaming and blaming yourself, shaming and blaming other people is a thought pattern that is never, ever, ever, ever going to make you grow. You will never be able to criticize yourself into confidence or hate yourself into happiness or shame yourself into worthiness. That is never going to work. And anybody who says that shame is an incredible motivator has not read the research and also doesn't understand the cap to the motivation and the self-sabotage that's going to come as a result of that. Research shows by Dr. Kristen Neff, lead researcher of self-compassion, we also had her on the podcast years ago. I'll link that episode in the description as well. But she told us about how she did this entire body of work studying how self-compassion is more motivating than self-criticism. I believe that in that conversation with her, she corrected me in saying that it was like a lot more motivating than self-criticism. She said it was just slightly more motivating. But here's something that I've thought about a lot, and her book dives into this also. Motivation is the short-term pursuit of something you want. So maybe in the moment, telling yourself that you suck and need to work harder might make you work a little bit harder that day. But if you repeatedly tell yourself that you suck and you need to work harder and change all these things about yourself, then you're probably going to self-sabotage more often than not. It's going to lead to procrastination. It's going to lead to anxiety and depression and not to mention not your best work in whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. The antidote to shame and blame is sensing the need. I learned this from the best book I read last year. It's called Nonviolent Communication. I did a whole episode with a mini book review and sharing with you my biggest takeaways from this enlightening yet challenging book that I read. The main idea of nonviolent communication, and of course this extends to communicating with yourself, i.e. self-talk, but the main idea is to sense the needs behind the words. What is it that that person or you yourself, what is it that you're actually needing? And this isn't a superficial thing like I need a hot bath or a walk. Of course, that that could be something that you need, but I'm talking more so about a survival-based need. So when I was shaming and blaming myself for gaining weight, for example, 
my need behind that was to feel accepted, to feel validated, to feel comfortable in my body. And sadly, I thought that losing weight and shaming and blaming myself into that would help me feel accepted and validated and loved because I didn't know that there was another way. And it's only when you can sense the need that you also might be able to see that other way, the illuminated path that might be filled with a little bit more self-love. If you've ever been in therapy, you might have noticed that this is a lot of what your therapist does. That's why they say the quintessential, so how do you feel about that? Because they're trying to sense the need behind your words. So when you are shaming and blaming yourself or other people, instead try to sense the need behind the shame and blame because you're trying to fulfill some sort of need. You just might have a self-destructive way of doing so, but just know that there is a lighter, easier, healthier way to go about fulfilling those deep human needs like acceptance and belonging and connection and ultimately love. And I might be biased, but I think it often starts with self-love. Moving on to number four, appease and please. Appeasing and pleasing is a thought pattern that is also known as fawning. It's another thing I learned from that podcast episode with Maria Victoria Albina. Again, episode 155, I will link it for you, but it's a two-parter really worth listening to. And she talks a lot about people-pleasing. So appease, please, fawning, that's that energy of like, oh my gosh, do you like me? I'll be whatever it is that you want me to be. Oh, please accept me. Please validate me. Please tell me that I'm good enough. Not sure why that's associated with a young deer, but maybe because a young deer, a fawn, doesn't have its own identity aside from licking and wagging and trying to get the other members of the community to approve. So the antidote to appease and please is radical honesty. It's important to remember that when you're people-pleasing, you're being dishonest. And I know that might sound harsh, but it's real and it's true. People-pleasing at the expense of yourself, so we're not talking about being kind and the difference between people-pleasing and simply being kind is that people-pleasing happens at the expense of yourself, whereas being kind happens when you are so full of love and compassion that you have so much to give around, so you are there with a full body, energetic yes, giving your heart and soul in a way that feels good and true to you. People-pleasing is like, I don't have anything left to give, but I'm going to go into my negative energy bank in order to somehow add to your energy bank. But in reality, what happens is that it robs both of our energy banks. Because if you're saying yes to somebody, when you really mean no, you are being fake. And when somebody is requesting your presence, I don't mean that always in the literal sense, like attending an event. I mean that just in general, because we want to be the most present and real and honest versions of ourselves. When you're not giving that, you're being fake and that means that you're also not actually pleasing the person you're trying to please because nobody wants to be appeased and pleased if they know that it's actually hurting you. Nobody besides 
a manipulator or a narcissist, which is also exactly why we should all break the habit of people pleasing because doing so also attracts manipulators and narcissists who take advantage of this kind of state. And that can be very dangerous to say the least. So anyway, radical honesty is the antidote to fawning, being honest, saying what you mean and meaning what you say. Yes, this might lead to disapproval or rejection or scolding or just a feeling that somebody else doesn't like you. And so what? Your job on this planet is for you to like you, for you to become a person that you genuinely enjoy. Keyword, genuinely not enjoy conditionally to other people enjoying you. You were not put on this planet to be somebody else's toy. You're here to be your own joy. And that joy can extend to other people, but only if you're being true and honest and authentic. So instead of appeasing and pleasing, try radical honesty. The last thought pattern that might be keeping you stuck is inspecting and perfecting. So this is just ruthless self-scrutiny, always picking yourself apart. Sometimes this could physically manifest as picking at your skin or tugging on your clothes or touching your hair a lot. You know, these little signs of insecurity are physical manifestations of how you feel within. So it's this idea and energy of being your own inspector, trying to find something wrong with yourself and then fixing it, right? That's like picking at your skin or fixing your hair or tugging on your clothes to hide or manipulate in some way. And we do this inspecting because we think that if we can inspect it, we can perfect it. But really, I don't know why the example of picking at your skin is just so perfect here. It's something that I do that I'm not doing anymore in 2024, but it's so perfect because it shows that like you're zooming in on your skin, you're finding a little pimple, a little blemish, a little something, and then you're squeezing it. You're trying to make your skin better, but what do you end up doing? You actually make it fucking worse. And then that thing just spreads and then it creates more pimples and scars and you become unhappy with how you look even more so than when you started because you were zooming in, you were scrutinizing, you were inspecting and perfecting. It reminds me of this quote from Rick Rubin. I read his book on creativity, and I think this applies here too. He said, zoom in and obsess, zoom out and observe. When we zoom in, we inevitably have this obsessive nature, whereas when we zoom out, we're able to see the bigger picture and just observe. That's the difference between like picking at your skin and being like, hmm, I'm having breakouts. Maybe I should schedule an appointment to the dermatologist. My antidote to this is when in doubt, focus out. Instead of inspecting and perfecting yourself, can you bring your attention to the external world? There's so many ways to do this. You could do a five senses meditation. You can go on a walk. You can go talk to somebody. There's a lot of like basic things to resort to. But the big idea is that when we are in service beyond ourselves, so this is not 
people-pleasing. This is not doing things at the expense of ourselves. This is the kind of giving that actually makes you more abundant. It's the shift of energy from yourself, from that obsession, from that self-scrutiny. Shaming and blaming also goes into that to something outside of yourself, the person right in front of you, a book on your nightstand, the great outdoors, your pet, somebody who needs help, a stranger whose day you want to make by paying them a compliment. I triple dog dare you, if you are having a bad day, get out of your house and compliment the first person you see. And then try not to have a better day because of that. And if you don't have the ability to get outside your house, do what's called the loving kindness meditation. You can do this anytime, anywhere in 30 seconds. And all you do is close your eyes, sit in meditation and send love to someone. This could be anyone. This could be a group of people. This could be the last person that you saw. Even if they're a stranger, just close your eyes and send them love. And because perception is projection, when you shift into loving kindness energy, sending somebody else love, you're also sending it to yourself. So when in doubt, focus out becomes this positive feedback loop where you are focused outside of yourself. You're no longer self-scrutinizing, but you're also making the world better and making yourself better. So it's a win, 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 win all around. So to summarize quickly, analysis paralysis is out. Letting go and letting flow is in. Compare and despair, no more. Perception is projection. Shaming and blaming, we're ditching that shit. Instead, sense the need. Appease and please or fawning is being replaced by radical honesty. Instead of inspecting and perfecting, When in doubt, focus out. I love you so much. I hope we can all lean into the antidotes of these negative thought patterns. If you enjoyed this episode or want me to go deeper into a particular topic, please let me know. I always love hearing from you and I will talk to you in the next episode. Ta-ta! One last thing before we farewell, my self-lovers. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or rate the show on Spotify. You can do this by searching for the show, Mary's Cup of Tea. Scroll all the way down on Apple Podcasts and you'll see stars where you can click one of the stars and leave a few kind words. It just means so much to me because I'm so behind the scenes when I'm podcasting, so I don't really get to see the impact of the show unless you leave a review. And on Spotify, there's just a button that says rate the show and it'll let you put however many stars you want. Your feedback helps the podcast grow. And as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words mean the world to me. Thank you so much for supporting the show and helping me spread the gift of self-love. I love you all so much and I will talk to you in next week's episode.